Welcome to the Supported Living Property Podcast with your host, me, Lisa Brown, the place to learn about supported living property investing. In this episode, Sarah Tuber talks about her experience building a relationship with a new support provider and developing property for their use. She talks about each of the stages she went through and discusses the reality of developing supported living property. Hi, Sarah. It's great to have you here today. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I was just saying it's really sunny here. I've had to draw the curtains. It seems a bit Yeah, nice. I've had to do the same here. You feel awful like, <laughs> sitting the, the lovely weather out. But yeah, it's really bad for glare, isn't it? It's not, not the best. <laughs> not this is just, just a complete white ghost otherwise. So, uh, yeah. So, Sarah, for people who don't know you, do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a bit about you? Yeah, so I am Sarah Tuber. Um, I live in Leeds and predominantly invest in the Leeds area, the South Leeds area. Um, I am 40. Uh, I've got two children um, and that's about it, I think. I don't know if I missed anything. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So you and Supported Living, you've been in property for a while, have you, Sarah? Is it a relatively new thing for you or...? I've been in property for a long time, actually. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it based on how youthful I look, but um, I have actually been in property for about 20 years, um, and I do owe a lot of that to my mum. Um, my mum got me into property in my early 20s. Um, she saw that I had a corporate job, and I had probably more disposable income than I needed, and I was probably wasting too much of it on designer shoes and handbags. So she said, actually, let's make some good investments together. Um so we bought um, some properties together, my mum and my sister and myself. Just, it was not strategic. It, there was no strategy to it. There was no theory. It was literally done on the back of a fag packet. Um, obviously, now I've been trained and I know a lot more than I did then. We, you know, we didn't do it the right way. But, you know, what? we managed to build up a fairly decent portfolio between us and it, and it allowed us to kind of have some kind of cash flow coming through. But we really did it to, it was more of a pension pot. That's kind of how my mum set us off down that route. So... Um, so yeah, I've been doing like what I'm class as standard, fairly vanilla, buy to let, quite small, around hundred grand. Um, and then two years ago, I went full time into property, set up my business, which is home bird property. Um, just before the pandemic started, which was um, great timing. <laughs> um, so I got made redundant from work and I decided that um, actually the property business that I built up so far had always been a bit of a distraction, really. Um, and I'd never really put a lot of effort into it, but it still generated quite good money. So, I, you know, it dawned on me, how, how can I scale this up? How can I do this full time? Because I really like it. I enjoy it. Um, and that's when I decided to go full time into property. Amazing. That's cool. Your mum sounds very wise. It sounds very useful. Person. Yeah, I hate to admit it, but she <laughs> she, she is. <laughs> yeah. So obviously we talk about supported living here. So so what was your experience with supported living? Tell us about that. So um, the first project that I did for supported living, um, it's a very it's a bit of an unusual story actually. So when I did go into property full time and I made that jump, I recognised that I didn't have professional training and there was lots of gaps in my knowledge so I did go in I did get myself trained I came back from the training and um, actually I was having my own kitchen fitted in my own house I was having some big renovations and my kitchen fitter said to me um what do you do love type thing and I was like oh um, I'm a property investor you know, I felt awful <laughs> even just kind of saying those words yeah you're just like I know I meant to own this title right now but I didn't really feel like I could 
Um, so I said, oh, I'm a property investor, been training and everything. And I'm just sort of starting out my own business. So he said, you need to meet my mate, Craig. Um, so that's what I did, made contact with Craig. And Craig was brilliant, really helpful. Um, we, had, we had some initial chats and um, basically he took me under his wing to mentor me. And uh, we sort of had an arrangement, uh, which I suggested that I would go and work in his letting agents for free um just doing really like me you know odd jobs and stuff not really lots to be honest um but just learn from him like shadow him around look at his projects kind of just be in that environment to learn um so that was really good and the supported living provider pretty literally walked through the door and they came in and they said we're looking for craig we've been told that he's really big in the area and craig said i ain't got time at the minute i've got to do something else he was after a meeting sarah will deal with you and it literally kind of went from there. Um, I'd obviously heard a lot about supported living before. I'd um, been involved quite a lot in homeless charities. I've done a lot of volunteering. Um, so it was always something that I knew I wanted to do with my property business. I always knew that I wanted to do some, some good with it. Obviously, it's a business and it needs to make money, but I always wanted to try and do, um, give something back to the community, try and make a positive impact. Um, particularly leave a legacy for my children and that sort of thing so obviously when that um, charity worked through the door and we got chatting I mean I nurtured that relationship probably for nearly two years um, just bit by bit and in essence um, they were an, a new charity and they didn't have any housing and um, a lot of people weren't prepared to take them on because they were new um, but I just said to them, well, I'm new and you're new. So let's just hold hands and, you know, take a leap of faith and, and, and help each other. Like, let's just see if we can we can make it happen. So, you know, that that's pretty much how Fantastic. I kind of went into supported living. I love it because it's so many random things. It's often when you're talking to people, it is a really odd connection like that or something happens. So, you know, but you were putting yourself in the right position at the right time as well, weren't you? You went, you know, to do that. So, you know, brilliant. And so so what happened from there? So you, you'd obviously found these guys and they were looking for property. Did you then go looking for properties together? Is that what happened or did you? Um, we didn't we didn't look together as such. So we sat down, we had quite a few meetings, obviously kind of getting to know each other, getting to understand the charity and kind of what their goals mission aims was what they were trying to achieve and um, we did talk numbers obviously because I basically said to them look if you can give me an idea of what you think you'd be prepared to pay then I can reverse engineer any of the deals that I've got and we can see if we can make it work and um, so I had I basically was sort of given um it's a fairly detailed not not too detailed um like a shopping list basically and I just said right I'll I'll go shopping for you and obviously it took time um, it took time. I, we did lots of show. I did lots of shopping. I, I predominantly did it on my own because um, obviously they were busy running the charity. Um, but I'd check in with them, you know, regularly. And then I said, "Off, oh, I think I found something." Um, obviously, I didn't want to say too much until I'd actually managed to secure it. I didn't want to get anybody's hopes up. Um, but then when I did manage to secure the vets, um, then obviously I made contact with them and said, "Look, this is what I've managed to secure. This is how I think it would work out. It would." It was a veterinary surgery on the ground floor and it was a two bed um, apartment on the first floor already, two bed flat type thing. Um, and I had the vision that I would turn it into a six bed HMO with ensuite and communal kitchen. 
Fantastic. And that's what they were looking for, presumably. That's why you'd done that. Yeah, I mean, they were looking, it was, it, it was like a couple of pronged attacks. Like they were looking for self-contained flats. They were also looking for HMO. But I think that we agreed that really probably the first one, the first property on their list would be, I think their strategy uh, was and still is that they'd put them into communal living. So a six bed HMO or some four bed, whatever. Um, and then long term, they would look to progress those people into self-contained flats. Like, as a, is, what what kind of people, tenants are they in the property? What's the um, so this they're very loosely categorised as, as vulnerable women. So it's a real mix of um, women who've fallen on hard times for various reasons. Um, some are like victims of domestic abuse. Some have kind of chosen a, a not so good path and kind of got into situations that they don't want to be into. Um, so it is a real mixed bag, really, but it is it is um, a women only um, kind of charity. And that was another thing that I had the really big connection with the charity is the fact that they made me aware of the statistics that um, the number of um, supported living providers um, or available housing for women is, you know, by nowhere near the demand versus men. So obviously being a woman myself, they were two women um it was just something that that I could you know that I could relate to mm. um so and a cause that I wanted to to champion and get behind and then doing the adaptation to the property did you have to do any specific adaptations because of the the tenant group that were going to be in there not, or was it no style? not really so it wasn't anything in terms of like disabled access or anything like that um the, the project was a back to brick project so we did completely rip out the you know the inside of the vets and yeah so there's, there's lots of um pictures on social media of me being covered in all sorts of stuff um so it did we did completely go back to brick um we put the on suites in there um for two reasons really one if I'm completely honest was a bit of a security blanket for me because I knew that if the supported living route didn't work long term then actually renting from a private um, perspective the en-suite would be would be easier to rent and it's more kind of it's sort of expected now I think the standard of HMOs has gone up a lot over the time so I put that in and really is an a, a kind of bit of an insurance net for me. Um, obviously, really I didn't wise. Want... Yeah, it's like you yeah. need to have that alternate exit, don't you? Because it, yeah. until it's signed, until it's written down, you know, and yeah. actually, they might change their minds in the future and not need it. So, yeah. yeah. So, and obviously it was good for them as well that they were able to sell to the, you know, the clients they had, not they had to sell it, but the, the, their clients would have their own bathroom. So they also felt like that would reduce arguments within the house and any you know that sort of thing because everyone had their own private space as opposed to a shared communal bathroom so they also did see the positive of, of kind of doing that so so yeah there wasn't any specific adaptations that the whole project was just a full-on refurb and um when it came to negotiating the lease with the providers, obviously these were relatively new providers from what you're saying. So it's probably the first time they'd had to negotiate a lease like this. How how did that go? Was that was that difficult? Yeah, or? it was um it was it it was interesting, obviously, because it it was a bit like the blind leading the blind, really. Like neither of us particularly knew. Um, we did use obviously we both got um independent legal advice. Um, I'll be honest, a lot of it was driven through the solicitors. The solicitors um advised about break clauses, um, you know, covering the cost of damages and those sort of things and the term and things like that. Um, I did make connections with the broker. Um, obviously, you'll know yourself from doing supported living, uh, and I'm sure we'll come on to it later, but um the length there isn't 
as many lenders for supported living and some lenders can be quite specific um, about your contract and your lease. Um, so I did run my lease by my broker who ran it by my lender. Um, provisionally, obviously, they didn't officially sign it off, but they, they cast their eye of it to make sure that they were happy um, with the lease. Um, I was always of the view that a longer lease would be better. But actually, the feedback that came back was that their optimum lease time um, was anywhere between three and five years. Um, so we actually went down a three year route on this particular lease. Um, which surprised me. Yeah, which is frustrating, isn't it? Because if you're being offered a longer lease on something like this, you think that was great. I'll jump on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I was told that it's to do with the lenders, like, you know, should there be issues morally, they wouldn't really want to be evicting anybody. So actually, the three to five years, probably a sweet spot where it's, it's mitigating risk, isn't it? I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because they don't understand it, but that's, I can bang yeah. on about that. People have heard me bang on about that on other podcasts. Yeah. So I won't do it here. But um... <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. I think it's nuts, to be honest, but there we go. But yeah, that is what they say. That's their justification. And, and then handing the property over, was that fairly straightforward, the process of handing it over once it was finished? Was that? Um, ish. It was, <laughs> it was um they were chomping at the bit to get in is, is, is the, the, you know, they wouldn't mind me saying that they, 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 they'd made connections within their fields about getting, you know, the clients. Um, and as always, like, um, you know, things can always take a bit longer. Um, so yeah, it was very, very, that it felt very rushed at the end as in, you know, like, Get, I think you know got the contract signed on the Thursday and they were already building furniture on the Thursday night so it, it, it was a bit manic mm. um, but we did manage a little ribbon ribbon ceremony where they held the ribbon and we cut it so we did right. you know, we did mark that occasion and it was a big and you know it was a big milestone for, for both of you know for myself and, and the two ladies uh, and the charity it, it, it was you know it was a big achievement that we we had a goal, we had a vision, it wasn't a straightforward road to get there, it was, it was hard, there was ups and downs, but we did get there and we, we did celebrate it and we did feel really proud that we did manage to get it off the line, but there wasn't time to do much drinking and celebrating because the, the, the clients were coming thick and fast, so it was like, quick, get them in, get them in, um, but you know, that's, that you just, that's fine. It's better oh. that way than it being sat there empty and not having the rooms yeah. filled and stuff, but it was and very, very it shows very how much need there is for the property. Exactly, the exactly so. It. So, it was yeah. it was full very 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 quickly I think the paint was probably still a bit wet <laughs> <laughs> and how's it going now how is it when when did you hand it over how long ago was that October right. October last year so and we're now what, in we're, May aren't we so yeah yeah so it's going really well it is going well um I, there's, there's, it's not without its challenges um obviously they they've they signed a commercial uh, lease so in theory I in theory I love the word in theory completely hands off and I don't need to do anything um and most part of that is true um I did receive a picture yesterday from somebody who happened to be driving past my property and there was a smashed window which wasn't what I wanted to wake up to um but you know I've got a good relationship with the charity I got in touch with them they didn't know anything about it either obviously they were straight around there they do have CCTV at the property at the front and the back um and in the communal area so they were able to go through that and kind of fully understand what's happened and obviously a replacement will be ordered and things like that so um we have had police at the property as well which again isn't really what you want to hear um but that is 
the name and actually when it all came out it was actually nothing to do with anybody in the house it was somebody else who the police thought were there and I think right. because I think because the police kind of know that the, the, the charity have a really good working relationship with the police but I think which can work on in some ways but I think also it can work in other ways that they might go to them first thinking you know there's something yeah. happening there so yeah so overall yeah Sorry. does that mean any problems with neighbors and stuff or have the neighbors been quite supportive? well this is yeah so this is the other thing um so the property is an end terrace which is good it's an end terrace so we only really have contact neighbors on one side uh and there's actually a kind of a road in with you know at the end um when we did the project as soon as i got the i did go to the neighbors and explained what i was planning to do i took them some gifts um some cards and obviously said to them like if the noise for the reef i was conscious of the reefer basically mm -hmm. these people have been there for like 30 odd years they were a fairly elderly couple um so i must admit i found that hard on the emotion. I was like oh god I will, if this was my grandparents I wouldn't want this happening to them so I found that really difficult to process but um I just kind of did whatever I could with them like I, I, they had my number and I said look if at all it's any problem please just get in touch you know the guys are usually pretty good they, they don't start you know bashing around and, and until you know mm -hmm. a decent hour in the morning and they wouldn't really be doing you know noisy work at night and they don't work the weekends and so we were trying to be really considerate of the neighbors um they did hear, they heard rumours that the house was going to be for paedophiles. Right. Um, so obviously that was quite alarming for them. Um, they had grandchildren and things like that. So they weren't, and which obviously I've assured them that isn't what the charity is about at all. Mm. It's complete and utter rubbish. That is just somebody either maliciously spreading a rumour or getting the wrong end of the stick and putting a different spin on it. And I saw... They met with the charity. They knew the two ladies. They've made. A, they've did. They've done a lot as well to mm. kind of keep the neighbours on board. But I'm sure they weren't really appreciative of a police van being there, mm. and also a smash windows. Obviously not no. ideal either. Um, but but the, it sounds like the charity is good at sorting stuff out. Is quite proactive and yeah. Know. And that's like two incidents over what over six months, isn't it? Mm. So it's not um, you know it's not like it's every day or every week or anything like that. And also we always knew there was going to be teething problems. Like it's the first property for them. Um, they they've been quite firm and strict with their policy. In terms, you know, they've got a code of conduct with their clients, and if that client isn't um, sticking to that, then then they will be politely asked to leave. Uh, and I know they have done that with some tenants, so they're still kind of finding their feet. So hopefully, it's just the odd occasion as opposed to regularly. Mm -hmm. But that I guess you could have that with any tenant, whether it's supported living or not. That could happen to any. I don't think it's supported living specific. No. That's just tenants, I think. It's just life, isn't it? Life yeah. Happens, you know, it, yeah, it, it, of course it is. You know, so, so going forward, have you got plans to work with them again or what are your plans going forward now? Yeah, I, I would like to continue to work with them. Um, I've just recently actually posted on social media last week that the vet has completely, completely, completely finished because um, I didn't feel like I could celebrate until I'd managed to do the remortgage and, you know, that is probably the, the, the downs. I think I've already spoken a little bit about that. But yeah, how was the refinance? Was that a, a challenge then? It, it was OK. It was my first refinance of this type other than like a standard buy to let. So I, I didn't really have anything to base it on. Um, the lender had me jumping through a lot of hoops. They were quite specific. They wanted to know a lot of detail. They were very thorough with the contract. Um, they were very thorough with the insurance. Um, there was lots of detail that they asked for um 
when I had it valued, the first valuation I had, I got a zero valuation and I was heartbroken. I was just like, I cannot believe what it. grounds did they do that then? The, the the valuer said his exact words were not all lenders will lend to supported living. To which I was like, yes, I know that. That is why I have chosen a specialist lender who knows I'm leasing yeah. to a supported living provider. He's fully on board with that. You're not there to give to, a to value that. You're yeah. there to value. It was a bricks and mortar valuation. You're right. there to value that. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a few choice words in my, in my head, like, just, just do your job, please. Please yeah, just, yeah. just value it as, oh, as it is. So this is what I mean. So this was like, oh, no. Anyway, obviously the lender actually, fair play to the lender, the lender actually sent the surveyor back out and said, we know this, mm. do your job. Okay. okay. Value it. I didn't have yeah. to do that. Um, right. They did that. Um, so they went, in theory, they went back out they didn't go back out they, no. they they said they went back out but they never asked me for access again which is good as well because this is the other thing because my tenants were already in actually like to get the, the ladies out I was like oh I'm gonna have to shout them all like bacon butties down the calf just to you yeah. know because it was because of course the valuation was at nine o'clock in the morning yeah. so you know there's little, little things that we can kind of do to keep everybody sweet and obviously mm. whiz around make sure everything's nice and tidy which it was they did they did a great job with that um so anyway they, when they valued it the second time they valued it as a five bed hmo rather than a six bed hmo because they said that one of the rooms was something like half a centimeter too small to pass hmo regulations even though i had a hmo license the hmo right. officer had already inspected it and i already had a six bed hmo license obviously it was a six bed so I did end up leaving a bit more money in the deal than I wanted to, 20,000 mm. to be specific, um, because they valued it as a five-bed HMO and not six-bed right. HMO. Right. Tried to contest it, but I think in the end, you just get worn down. It's <laughs> just like, oh, do you know what? So 20,000 pounds, a lot of money, but it's 20,000 pounds left in the asset. Um, it's in there. Yeah, you know, I, I can't go it? through this process again right now. I don't want. I, I don't want to do that to, to the charity. either yeah. having to do more surveys and da, yeah. da, da, and just dragging out the process. Obviously, I had investors that I wanted to get paid back. Um, so I just it was my, and it was my money. It would be me that would take the hit. It would be yeah. me that would leave the twenty thousand in, and I made a decision that you know just leave it. In. Yeah, it was something to to go with. Yeah brilliant it sounds like so you, so going forward you're going to look to do some more work with them yeah so yeah as i was, sorry i kind of didn't answer no, no, it's great. Guys, so no, no, no. um so the money's come back out so as obviously i've already talked about i had left twenty thousand more in than um than i wanted to but i've got money that's come out and i've just reached back out to them and just said look i'm assuming that the demand is still there are you still wanting I know I could have been looking, I could have been filling my pipeline beforehand, but I think because this is, was my first commercial conversion, it was my first supported living, I, I didn't, I wanted to do it full full circle mm. before I kind of went and did it again. Um, so yes, I'm in talks with them. Also potentially another charity, I do have another buy to let property um, and they came to look at that. And um, so it's a slightly different charity. It's more of a charity um, with adults with um, medical um basically they need to be supervised um mm. so it might be that they have epilepsy so they, they might tend to fit um quite a bit so it's um i'm working i've just basically started working with um 
scoping out what they're looking for and how we might be able to work together in the future um which again is another great thing that i could help a different type mm -hmm. of person and also again from a selfish perspective not wanting to put all my eggs in one basket it would be good to have two different charities to be able to help um so yeah i'm, I'm exploring all options exciting that's brilliant thank you we we'll look forward to hearing about those we'll drop your um contact details into the show notes is there anything you, you think for property investors anything from the experiences that you've learned that you think oh i wish i'd known that at the beginning or any advice or anything you think you, you could share with anyone um i think it's not as easy as people make it look <laughs> i think that i think you have to be fairly resilient um tenacious you know persistent with it you do come, come come across hurdles um but i think if you're collaborative if you come from the right place like actually it isn't always about money um you know remember kind of sometimes when i see a lot of supported living um posts and things not always but people kind of bang home about the numbers and yes the numbers are important of course it's a business and it is there to make money but I wouldn't ever want that to take away the shine of what you're actually trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. Um, so I think that's probably would be my piece of advice to people is that, you know, numbers come second and kind of people kind of come first is what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. As I said, we'll drop your contact details into the show notes. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, they can there. And thank you ever so much for sharing your experience. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking. I, I, I was quite, I was like, me? I, I haven't got anything that I can obviously i've managed to fill, look at all that I've managed to fill half an hour i think so but i do really appreciate the opportunity to be able to um to talk about it so thank you lisa thanks for that great thank you take care bye see you later thank you for listening today if you want to find out more please go to my website www.lisabrown.uk where you can download a free guide to supported living property